0: Wizards of infinite and cosmic rule return to uncover life's greatest mysteries, prophesize the future of the cosmos, and enchant their way into your hearts. I'm Mo. And I'm Austin. And we discuss high magic versus low magic in today's episode of Dungeons & Brews.
1: And welcome to Dungeons & Brews, everybody. As always, I am Austin, and we are excited. Sorry, I'm talking So excited. Apologies. No, (laughs) it's beautiful. You can just tell the energy is in the room. We are so excited to be back here, especially on this topic of high magic versus low magic, which is going to be one of... I think one of our more interesting lore dives. it's definitely ref- going to
0: be a big lore
1: dive. Big here. lore wow. dive. We're going to be diving into a few different settings. But before that, I Hello, like, Master Austin,
0: how have you been, first of all? <laughs> how <laughs> have been things great. been going? I've been yeah. great.
1: I've been great. Busy with work, as always. But, yeah. you know, uh, we've been still getting a lot of Dungeons & Dragons time in. Um, you know, I one of the campaigns has now graduated into... Adult d d not baby d d So I took the training wheels off. You took
0: the training wheels and, and off. And I had
1: their first true medium encounter, and someone almost got dragged off the ship and died. Yay! So, Yay. Yay. Sorry, oh. Lady Vastra. I know you're listening. Um, but Make sure you have water breathing casted on you. Next time. <laughs> at all, all, you're doing Spelljammer, my bad. Not at sure. all, at uh. all times. But I did want to bring up something interesting, because I have noticed sometimes um, at my table, the players will roll on like their phone if they're like ah, i'm just gonna click the dnd beyond again not sponsored by dnd beyond
0: yet yet not sponsored yet Sp- and pepsi
1: sponsors. i'm still coming for that ass pepsi <laughs> coming for that ass pepsi um but do you have a preference at the table if you're with all of your players do you let them roll with only physical only uh virtual dice or do you not really care
0: to quote a uh Fantastic and amazing DM. Uh, you may recognize him from shows like Dimension 20. Brennan Lee Mulligan, him and Abrea Eyengar one time talked about it. Since time immemorial, people have been wanting to roll their clickety-clacks. If it ain't a clickety-clack, I don't want it at my table. However, I do have players in my campaign that do will occasionally roll on the virtual tabletop. I don't know what it is about having the power of fate in your hand. Mind you, it's a D20. It's, what, 5% Mm -hmm. memory serves me correct, you know, and not just memory, math. But, But, you know, when you roll, you can take a roll on one guess. You can take a roll on another side. You can take a roll here and add it there. There's something about having that power inside of your own hands and rolling it is the greatest feeling on Earth. Also, uh, natural 15.
1: (laughs) Uh, Well, uh, hold on. I got to find my...
0: Are we doing an early dice battle?
1: An early dice battle. Early
0: dice battle, since we are on the topic? That is the definition of cocked. You literally rolled it right down the center of my table here.
1: (laughs) And I rolled a three, which means that uh, we're back tied up three to three.
0: Just the way the fates would want it to be dictated. Truly,
1: fate is equal
0: we were never going to roll but speaking of
1: fate and power in your hand do you want to tell us a little bit about the brew for this episode today uh
0: brewmaster austin we are focusing on a war pigs brewing company here and we decided to pick up one of their hazy india uh ipas a foggy geezer is what we decided to uh go with here a great little time here for us to plug our lovely untapped profile uh dungeons and brews zero one all one big word there uh check it out guys we review all our lovely uh concoctions that we've had on here and pretty fun, pretty exciting. I've been loving them all. So uh, shall we? Brewmaster Austin in three, uh, two, uh, one.
1: Oh, wow. That's a really strong IPA. That's but an
0: IPA, but it's not bad, but it's also one that if you have more than one. three of, <laughs> I wish you well, best And of luck it also a
1: side effect they don't list on there is you just have the incurable urge to sing War Pigs by Black Sabbath. Don't do it. We won't. We, no, no, no. We, we are going to get canceled. <laughs> but um,
0: there's never been a faster copyright claim. And you're in law, and you should know that. Brent well, and we Austin. get
1: 15 seconds for free, basically. Oh, 15 but, seconds. Know, yeah, it's like 15 <laughs> seconds. All right, we're good. <laughs> so but I did want to also, on the adjacent topic of uh, virtual versus real dice, I wanted to talk on something that, i think everybody has a question on at times is how do you handle a nat 1 versus a nat 20 both in combat and in social situations
0: i believe we have gotten this as a actually a request on some of our 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 lovely discord again check the profile link here i'm basically the sponsored guy (laughs) i realize that i'm completely
1: all the sponsorships all the sponsorships
0: but uh yeah i so it's weird I know I've bounced around with it back and forth in my campaign. I've bounced, which is inconsistent and it's not fair to the players and it's not fair to me as well. But I don't believe in natural 20s being auto successes. Mind you, the current uh, restructuring of 1D, uh, 1D and D, informally known as 1D and D, is kind of leaning towards that route about making natural 20s auto successes and natural ones auto failures. I don't think that's a good setup. I do think a natural one, though, however, is an auto failure, right? I think, because think about it, On let's say on, a, on an attack, right? The, let's say a creature has 25 AC, There's and there's no way you're hitting it unless you roll a natural 20, correct? So that would be, yes, technically an auto success. But skill checks in particular for me, that's where I draw the line. No, I want my skill check to be 25, 30, 25, 30, hard. And then thirty being that nearly impossible route. And again, you can find a lot of this in your DMG, guys. So make sure to go check it on out. And
1: also something that I didn't know, so I wanted to also update everybody. I did go buy a new DM screen. I haven't had one in a few years, um, but I did buy just one of the pre the like ones they send you with the books, like D and D official, like Woods of the Coast. Like so, it's a little you know cardboard cutout, but it's got a few and it has the DC setting. So that's what made me think of it. I kind of do the same. Um, I do think that. I may depending on the campaign, I make Nat ones, especially in combat, either funny or if it's more of a serious campaign, maybe there might be some risk of damage or like break of a of an item or something like that. Obviously not a magical item, but you know, something like that. But in social situations, I think I kind of do it similar to you where if you roll a Nat 20, it is as good as your character could do. So for example, one that comes to mind in the scenario off the top of my head is like if I have, you know, a bard who's like trying to lift a heavy stone off of the barbarian who didn't roll a good deck save, right? And you're like, you need to roll a 25 to do it, and you have a minus two to your strength score. Yeah, you may have rolled the natural twenty, but you are not going to be able to lift that off. You're doing as well as you could. I might give the barbarian advantage to like shimmy out or something like that. Like, or
0: you a- aren't adjusting you, the DC based on for somebody the barbarian else, for right. the barbarian, right. yeah, because that's you always possible. Yeah, you can yeah.
1: but you know, I don't think that if you are someone who physically cannot, like I, basically how I view a nat twenty in a social situation like that, where you're like, especially in a strength situation is it is your adrenaline to the max and this is the peak of what you and your physical form could do. Correct. So like, yeah, you may be lifting it only three inches, but that three inches is infinitely more than anyone thought you could do with a seven straight score.
0: hundred percent. And it's just, it's, it, it just doesn't make sense. Like it, you're not, again, I, I've i always talked about this before, but I've talked about the uh, idea of a cobalt, like classic cobalts, right? They automatically have a minus two. Right. To, uh, to not to their strength but it, it's a minus two to whatever that stat w- would be right. so if you rolled a 10 it's going to be down to an eight right on that, that thing it just it doesn't make sense right you're not going to supersede the laws of physics <laughs> at least at that point to go and pick up that heavy rock right i always think of that great scene from the batman and it's like yeah, oh all yeah. oh, those push-ups my friend uh my great uh, good friend my, my dm occasionally when i do uh decide to play my pc it's rare but uh he he always just uh, does that great line of just like, oh, all of those push-ups, and what are they for? What are they good for, Can't right? Can't
1: even lift a bloody board. Can't
0: even lift a bloody board, right? But it's just, it is what it is. It, I just, I don't believe in natural 20s being auto successes, but I again, I'm with you. Auto auto fails, it does happen. Yeah, and I it think does. it's I think it's only fair. Yeah. But that kind of leads us to kind of what we're here for. The mysteries of magic and creation here, Brewmaster Austin. Now, let's talk I think before we can really dive into high magic versus low magic, we should talk a little bit about the creation of magics in some settings. And mind you, I said magics. So if you want to spell it with a K, whatever, guys, it makes your setting unique and cool. But let's talk a little bit about it. So for instance, let's dive in a little bit into the Forgotten Realms setting or Exandria or Dark Sun setting. I know something that's something you're extremely (laughs) familiar with there. And I've only know a little history on it. But Forgotten Realms is like a, a very huge one there to okay. talk about like we can talk into uh, to the goddess of mistra and her creation Yeah, that's
1: actually a great yeah. place i think to start is uh so for those who are a little bit newer on the lore side of of magic quick tldr Mistria is the goddess of magic she is the supreme one there are a lot of minor gods of magic that you can you can find um, um scattered about Um, and I think we will be talking about them on a potential bonus episode. Uh,
0: Absolutely, baby. little hint. Hint, hint. hint. Cough, cough. Cough, Cough, nudge, nudge.
1: But, uh, so she does have some people who assist her with that, but she is the supreme deity of magic. She controls what is known as the Weave, and the Weave... The best way I like to describe it, and Mo might be able to enlighten a little more, is it's kind of like the Force. It's an all-encompassing magical aura that exists throughout the multiverse. And Mystria is like the guardian as well as sort of the curator of the weave. So if there's a break in the weave, she's the one that tries to correct or fix it. If there is portions of the weave that are out of balance, it it is kind of her keeping everything flowing in the directions that it should be.
0: Yeah, it's... It's a great little topic that I always like to look up. Like I, I became fascinated with the entire creation of magics. I even designed my world around that entire idea. Uh, I like that one. I like the Forgotten Realms one, uh, for instance, in their creation. I also love Exandria's, uh, for the Critical Role setting. There, mm-hmm. their creation, of uh, mythos of magic and how it actually exists based off the ley lines of the the planet. And I think that's always such a cool, cool concept, mind you. We're talking all this magic. Let's talk about the worlds that also don't really have access to magics, or at least their magic is skewed. I always like to mention the uh, Iron Kingdom setting. Iron Kingdom setting, for instance, uh, their healing magics is a little different, right? Healing magics, for instance, in the Iron Kingdom setting would hurt to reset that bone, to seal that wound. I do think the coolest thing about magic is the way that it's divided up, though you have the arcane magics
1: and you have the you know the magics that are more deity based divine magics right and that i think something to help explain what we're talking about with settings is so we kind of know that <coughs> exandria or not exandria sorry forgotten realms follows the weave it's kind of like this force that's different from exandria right you you know Correct. a little bit more on that so what what is the magic system or magic uh availability i guess in exandria exandria
0: again is is based around the ley lines right for instance uh Consider them like magical ethers, right, that run across the entire planet. They are divided up and they kind of traverse the world almost like equator type of things like latitude, longitude, right? They just they run across and they traverse the entire planes. Uh, the wizards of that world or sorcerers or bards are the more wi- Again, that's the, like I was breaking down, the arcane type of domains there, right? They focus more on studying those ley lines and then manipulating those ley lines to suit their needs. So that's the, I love that type of explanation and Mercer and his creation team, I think his creation team and probably just his brain alone, all hail be to Matt Mercer. (laughs) I'm joking. (laughs) If Matt Mercer ever hears this, don't worry, I don't worship you yet. All right we could make you a deity we could yeah. we could absolutely but, but it's he they designed that world so that magic flows that any disruption to those ley lines currently hinting at campaign 3 right now will affect maybe the way that magic is portrayed so right now
1: it, it is the are the ley lines then controlled by any particular deity in that setting cuz i'm not as familiar with it but or is it just like kind of a free flowing thing so it's a free flowing thing uh, magic, again, it, it kind of explains the idea of
0: how sorcerers come into play, right? Mm-hmm. Sorcerers, like, oh, it's their charisma. That helps them. Oh, you know, I'm so cool and suave that I'm going to cast this cantrip at you. Ha <laughs> ha. Meanwhile,
1: wizards are sitting there with a the book. it should studying. be Constitution casters. I will stand by it. Oh day. my god, I I've heard you by. say this a million times before. We'll stand by it till day. I, I know. It I does. Know. Th- it's in their blood. It They're is. It is from their blood that it should. Con is your resolution. It Correct. should be. I get should it. Should be the only con caster. It'd be cool. I get it. But hey, what about bards? Are you saying that
0: bards, bards, bards? Magic. Yeah. yeah they magic.
1: they are making it with music. I would still consider music as a charisma. Based. Charisma based. So as yeah,
0: long yeah. as it fits that role. Yeah. I just, wanted, I just wanted, I, I, I can't be that, cool yeah. then and just be like, hey, pistol shoot off this guy. You can still hand.
1: get, you don't have to dump charisma, but like, I don't think, <laughs> I think bars would be more your, hey, I'm so overwhelmingly personable. Yeah. I'm off the hip. I don't think that's a sorcerer pit. I, they could be, but regardless, regardless. <laughs> regardless, regardless. I know. So what do you know actually? Uh, not to cut you off there. Yeah. And I tend to do that anyway. <laughs> uh, <laughs> dark Sun. I oh know, yeah, dark you, know, Sun. you know the Dark setting a little bit a little, more. Yeah, a little bit. So Dark Sun is a very brutal setting. I want to preface that. I know I've referenced it. Um, we referenced it once in our bonus episode. Um, but Dark Sun is basically a setting where it is believed that magic, like evocation magic your arcane magic, had basically rent the world asunder into such a bad position that magic, that sort of magic no longer exists. Like, it is basically cut off from the weave. It is a separate existent plane that Mystria, because it exists in the Forgotten Realms universe, Mystria no longer... Oh,
0: it does exist in that same setting. So it
1: is yes and no it's it, it kind of goes into spell jamming where like the planes are connected but they're still different spheres yeah we could go into a whole thing on it yeah for all intents and bases different than the astral yeah, sea for all or intents eberron yeah. and greyhawk and forgotten realms all exist at the same time in the same universe like in the same cosmos different solar systems different it's a spell jamming thing but yeah no i got you so,
0: I, one of my favorite spells that the, the spell jammer brought around is the idea of being able to transport from one plane of existence to another, another plane of existence. Of, yeah i can't
1: okay. remember i think it's called like plane of, like someone's uh, it's Although, like create yeah. air why is that not like i mean just say it, like you know how many poison clouds like it's a great <laughs> spell like it really it, is, it is. Yeah. It's such a great spell but i sidetrack sorry yeah yeah we
0: so <laughs> guys you know us by now <laughs> we're gonna get <laughs> oh look a squirrel
1: <laughs> <laughs> but The so dark sun is kind of cut off from arcane magic, and also due to its being surrounded by what is called, um, I believe it's called the Black Plane and the Gray Plane or like the Gray wastes, or something like that. Yeah, yeah. These two planes basically insulate it from the other outer planes. So divine magic can't reach it either. Ah, okay. So that's why it gives so real- Similar
0: to what Alexandria uh, has currently in their setting. Yeah. Of the, kind of, kind, kind of, of, right? Yeah. Or, where the gods can, only, uh, I believe it's called the Divine Gate. Right, so they, yeah. Sorry so guys, there's... I love Critical Role so I can sit here and talk about hours. for So it.
1: there's like a little bit, there's no real divine magic, there's no real arcane magic so they get into these two different schools of magic known as defiling and preservation magic.
0: So this is something I I was reading a little bit about before where it's uh, the defilers, like they can almost warp nature itself or it can be like detrimental Mm -hmm. to nature. But I know it varies based on where you go. And I think it's always so unique to see people's like avenues and aspects into magic, like that magic. And dark set of suns just sounds like one of those settings that is just, hey, little bit of magic here. And guess what? See the nature, see all that lovely stuff you love
1: burn it to the ground so baby. basically the easiest way to describe it and then we can move on because i don't want to go too far into the lore on yeah dark, yeah yeah on dark side could sorry, we sorry. Start i hold episode yeah. <laughs> basically preservation magic works with the land so you're taking a little maybe a little bit of energy from the nat- natural surrounding the natural energy but never too much never more than what you need and usually that lends itself to magic that is amplifying some sp- Part of the land so if there's a forest you might be using like spike growth or something akin to that or some sort of entangling spell maybe in the desert you might be using like a dust devil spell or something like that with like winds and you know using it to like blind enemies defiler think it more of like what you would think of with necrotic light or something like that you're drawing from the energy it turns the grass black like an avatar the last airbender when she's doing the bending thing yeah and then all the grass dies yeah that's defiling magic you're taking from the land to then like in witcher same thing you have to have a living thing you kill the living thing to get magic
0: yeah no i yeah it's it's great now, this kind of leads us to our big topic. We've always been very vocal about our campaigns and how we run our campaigns. What is currently, you know, what is currently the setting in your world? How is magic ran? Is magic ran in a more, you know, type of effort in which it's uh, creation of magic itself? Do you have a, Did you establish? Do you have your own world? Let's, you know what? Let's dumb this down a little bit. In your setting, what is the lore? Is it an established lore? Do you have? Are you playing in yeah, Forgotten so I, Realms, I, or doing, are you playing in like something of your own creation? So
1: in, so I have, I, I currently run three. Okay. Okay. Um, and two of them are in Forgotten Realms, like the continent of Faerun, like they are in the Forgotten Realms setting. It's that. The other one is a spell jamming campaign. They started. It's still in the Forgotten Realms, but it's in the out one of the outer planets of the Forgotten Realms. And again, I'm not going to get too far into it. So they all use the Mystria God of the Weave, sort of idea of magic, where like arcane magic kind of comes from this. The gods bestow people divine magic, and divine magic kind of runs into natural magic. I know we mentioned one D and D; they separate that off into primal magic, primal magic uh, as well. Yeah, that's so it's little... divine, arcane, and primal. correct. Uh, but it kind of runs into that and i don't really make any sort of limitation in my settings typically um again as we've mentioned most of the people that i dm for are let you know mo at most maybe 18 months experience but most of them have less than seven eight months in dnd so i don't want to go too hard on a on a magic system like a especially a low magic system if the if they, I'm seeing people want to be like spellcasters and things, it's a little bit tough to get a new player invested in a low magic campaign.
0: Yeah, I so for instance, so, uh, with me in my world and the way that I've crafted my world, I've I made magic more common, more accessible, even to like more basic. Specifically though, I've leaned more towards cantrips. I I always talk about this one, and my players and I have mentioned it, but they've mentioned it to me a couple times. But I, I remember I created a drink in which the uh, the bartender turns the drink purple with a little spell that they a simple cantrip, right? So that that would be a setting in which magic is much more high in common. But what I have had to do, and what's something I've struggled with, is that I've had to go back and readjust prices. For instance mm-hmm. spell costs for scrolls and things like that for a wizard to copy it down sure i can establish these certain ones as costing as this but again it gets to be a little bit more complicated if i want to try and cap it like i'm not going to try and like you're not going to be able to get like a seventh level scroll right, right. it's just not going to happen right you're not going to buy be that. very
1: guarded they're going to be yeah yeah
0: like it's not going to exist yeah so they would be guarded and it, it and if it does it's it would be rare and few and far between right. but i've made it where cantrips and things like that maybe even some first level spells are accessible more by the common folk which means i've taken common folk stats and kind of increased them a
1: little right. bit so i kind of do something similar i don't really give them the spell mm-hmm. i give them uh like especially commoners i make it more accessible in like an item kind of harry potter enchantment style so a lot of what i do especially in like a bigger city so like some of my characters are in Waterdeep. be like you have a barber they have a prestigitation pair of scissors and that's what does the haircut that's all do uh, you have you a know, mage hand cut it yeah, basically yeah. yeah it's like it's like and it's just them it's just them like directing <laughs> like, Chippity it's yeah. one it's one you know hairstylist directing four different haircuts with these magical scissors at the same time, and they're just and the scissors are just kind of doing it, you know, kind of thing. So I make stuff like that Um, that would be like improvement of life sort of things, very accessible. But for like general spell casting, that still requires you to show some sort of affinity. Like, so the average person could buy these scissors, right, or could buy a broom that cl- sweeps, or you know, stuff like that in a big city.
0: That's the most Mickey Mouse thing I've ever had yeah, in my very life. Fan of, We're yeah. not sponsored by Disney either. <laughs> yeah, definitely not. Yet,
1: uh, but. <laughs> We, as you get further out, so as my players are kind of traveling and go to small towns, that might not be the case because there's not as many arcane people who could enchant that kind of stuff, right? So it kind of does depend on where you are within the realm as to whether or not it's high-low magic.
0: As do well. you feel then, you know, to kind of finish it off here, but do you feel then that having a high magic or a low magic setting can... Be detrimental to a campaign, like for instance, you feel like high magic is just it's too common, or low magic it's not enough. Like again, you heard me talk about it before, but divine magic, for instance, in the Iron Kingdoms world, mm-hmm. it's very painful. For an instance, right? I'm, I'm, let's healing word does exist within the uh, Iron Kingdom setting, but healing word, right? And you're healing them, and it's just it is painful setting a bone back into place, sewing up the skin, like it's
1: oh so I know we're getting close to October, had- but no. <laughs> So I actually had this in the campaign I was referencing that's the spell jamming campaign. When they got to this city um, that they were in, uh, I basically had, they found out through some successful checks, the city is does not approve of divine magic at all. They're big, like basically atheistic society almost. Not truly because like they know the gods exist and like have power. That's but it's like very... Athe-
0: anti- atheistic
1: in the sense of adjacent. that setting. Yeah, yeah adjacent. Yeah, yeah right. Um, and so, you know, Within that, they like there were different, you know. A lot of I had a couple players who had like kind of some divine magic and would cat, you know, cast these spells and they would run the risk of like the guards seeing it, people seeing it, reporting it. So I do think it depends on what you want to achieve with your setting. If you want spell casters to stand out, making a low magic setting very beneficial. So, one thing that I draw from, and I think someone who does it very well to start off is, um, Murph from Yeah, He starts out season one and they're in uh, Moonbow or whatever that's. Moonstone, I believe. Yeah, Yeah, Yeah. Moonstone. That's low magic. Literally, the only magic thing in there is a trident at the bottom of the lake and they have a very... Fun-filled campaign with facing only like one spellcaster for the first five levels or something like that.
0: I'm currently uh, going back and listening. I'm currently on episode three because i never listened to it. So
1: (laughs) that would be a very low magic position. But then when they move to like Galadoran or these other big areas, magic's you know more more willy-nilly. It's it's not as you know uncommon to see someone being able to use mage hand or Gus or things like that. So I think your world should be dynamic for sure. But if you want your players to stand out more, especially the ones with the magic, low magic setting, if you want your players to kind of be like, hey, I'm I'm a part of the general system, but get recognition later on when they're like their 10th, 11th, 12th level a high magic system kind of favors, like, hey, you're just kind of... So you would
0: change it then based on the current leveling?
1: Well, just depending on where they are. Where they are at the time. I guess, yeah. So I've done low magic settings where like the whole setting is low magic, but I think generally mine fluctuates. So it's high magic in in like a city or an arcane school, or something like that, you'd be more high magic, right? There's a lot, like, the books float around, or there's, you know, a rug that teleports you, or what, whatever, you know, there's just more things because there's more wealth, there's more spellcasters drawn in that area, it makes sense there's more magic items, right? Low magic is usually reserved for, like, your your faraway realms, maybe a kingdom that's been ravaged by war, or things like that.
0: Yeah, I, uh, I've always looked at it like, uh, you know, history's point of view when it comes to magic especially if you do want to do a low magic setting or something along those lines i've always looked at it like you know if you were to go back in time in a time machine you were to show them like a lighter they would consider that magical right mm-hmm. because they don't know how that flame it's like technology to one setting could be magical to another exactly so it's always i always love that type of artificers yes oh my god i we could have a full conversation yeah. on that but that being said I do believe we go back to everyone's favorite game show. Let's talk world creation, everyone. Where we turn everyone's, where you turn your brain (laughs) into Mind Flayer Mush. And let your two charismatic, charming voices with the choices DMs design over a world with a little input from you. So, let's go ahead and pick up exactly where we left off from before. We just got done with some NPC names creations. We uh, went through a little bit of fun creation. I see, uh uh-oh, guys, I'm letting you know. Brewmaster Austin, he's grabbing his little notebook. He's been creating the world of vanilla and chocolate and Lake Sukkar next to the larger city. of. You can hear the pages flipping in the background. It is amazing, Brewmaster Austin. But we picked up from there. We just uh, crafted some names. We came up with some creations uh, for their the buildings, uh, uh, the families that may exist. Uh, we decided that to lean towards more a dwarven pantheon, I believe here. Mm-hmm. So, uh, where would you like to pick up here from uh, now, Brewmeister Austin? I know you had some ideas we were sh- uh, spitballing here from before.
1: Yeah. So, I think, uh, you know, we we established a lot of the main NPCs in your first two villages. So, that be, you know, being vanilla and chocolate. With that, we're going to move over to Carmel. The town, it's technically classified as a town, it's still not a city or anything like that, but it's a, the bigger area, right? And we had talked very briefly um in the last world creation episode about doing factions and one of them we wanted to do was definitely like a craftsman guild uh for like the blacksmiths maybe your leather workers things of that nature like things that are working in like material good um, that are not luxury goods right so probably a crafters guild of some sort like a guildsman would be one of our four factions i think it's very important and we when, did
0: say we want to lean them towards more political party at right, least at exactly. this point since and we did so establish
1: i believe four political four, four political parties correct. so you're you can easily imagine how this craftsman guild is not necessarily focused so much on outside maybe foreign policy, things like that, their true focus is to make better conditions either for whatever their guild, better trade rates, less tariffs, whatever it is, they're focused on that. So a very easy way, uh, I'm going to give start giving more plot hooks as we talk about the bigger areas, because as a side note, we don't, I don't, and I know Mo doesn't, flesh out every person within a 10,000 person town. It's too impossible to do.
0: It's not just that it's too impossible. You are going to reach what I like to call the, the overstressed DM status. It exists, guys. You need to give yourself a break. After every good session, I will go two to three days without thinking about it. Mind you, ideas will pop into my head and I may jot down a note, but there is no point as DMs to sit there and brood over it for a week. Mm-hmm. Everything I'm gonna do. Okay, I gotta establish this character, this little yep. character. Have a cheat sheet behind your DM screen if you do use a DM screen, or have it just a sheet of paper that has random names on it. Mm-hmm. If you can, I am um, again, Brewmaster Austin, you're right next to my DM screen. Yep. You can see a little bit of the stuff that I have back there. Yeah, I've got a, a n- yeah, I've got a stuff there with cheat sheet names that says humans, dwarves, things that I want to establish in my world. You don't need it all flushed out. They right. can just be a random NPC they run into, and I'm telling you your players are going to go, what's their name? Yep. Hey, and what's you just their have name? A list
1: and you just have a list of names uh, with you, again, off a of Fantasy Generator or whatever you want to do if you want to pre- pre-write a few names. But you should never feel that you have to have everything fleshed out at all times. So... Uh, we're gonna do today the guilds, the like political factions that, and maybe like the ruling uh sort of bureaucrats that we talked about because we are doing a democracy. So we're gonna have a governor instead of a magistrate because it's gonna be a regional city.
0: You mean a governor? Governor, yes. Hello, love.
1: Hello, Puppet. Uh- <laughs> um, so we have our Crafters Guild, right? And we did mention that uh, at least Chocolate and Vanilla were big farming communities. We did. So I do think that there would be some sort of political party that would probably try to relate to them. And just because, you know, I'm a big history and political science nerd, we're going to call one the populist party.
0: Oh, there we go.
1: So you have your now powerful, we're digging into the world. You have your po- You have your populist party. They're all about the common, the common farmer. They're yes. trying, they're trying to help the the low people who they they would probably see as like the providers of society, right? Because even though they may not make the most money, have the most glamorous job, without things to eat, you die. So they're very much attributing to that sort of mentality, like you are the backbone of society, sort of thing. Um, then you're probably going to have something that's the counter to it, right? You're going to have something that focuses more maybe on on the luxury or on um, your higher merchant status. So maybe we can do a competing guild because you have your your crafters guild or something like that. Merchants and, guild. Merchants I, guild. A merchant's fairy. guild would be great merchants because you guild. could
0: see them that they are literally are, are wilming- saying, hey, I, we. you need to give us... We make you prosperous. Correct. We make you prosperous. And
1: we mentioned that we have the Snickerdoodles as our guards. So I would like to propose, I know we mentioned maybe making them called the Snickers, but I think the Snickers should be the fourth political party as like almost a loyalist party. Yes. Loyal to the crown. Well, Yes. Oh my God, yes. So the Snickers are this like loyalist party, right? And so now you've got four very unique Guilds, factions, political parties, whatever you want to call them, f- with four distinct, unique interests, and those sort of frictions between them, you can easily imagine. You can easily see how lower tariffs for the, uh, you know, for importing goods, right, for the merchants, might affect the crafters, right, because now they're going to have to lower their prices to compete with these goods that are no longer being taxed at a higher percentage right or you can easily see how the you know the populists might not get along with the merchants right because they're like hey farm we need to do more subsidies for farming we need to help the farmers make their lives better and the merchants are like we're the ones making you money we bring in the prosperity to caramel not the farmers so our interests should supersede and you can easily see how a loyalist Might have problems with all or none. They might just be like, "Hey, as long as no one's saying anything heretical, yeah, we're kind of cool with keeping the even flow, right?" But each of those factions would obviously probably have a headquarters, so you can make you know a headquarters with a general, a general leader of each of those. And I think that might be a good place for us to do a little bit of NPC. Um creation. NPC creation a little more NPC creation. I like it so I'm kind of thinking for the crafters guild I almost want it to be the no nonsense older crafter he's been there for probably two centuries so we need a race that has been around a while like a gnome an elf a, a gnome I think a, nor- a gnome would be great
0: a gnome would be absolutely fantastic an
1: older gnome he's probably a little not miserly but wise um acting more as a uh, kind of a tempering force i kind of see it as because what you're going to think is the crafters they've been doing their craft honing their craft they know their craft is necessary right you know as we mentioned in our very first creation episode blacksmiths if you don't have them cities towns villages they go away your leather workers, you can obviously need them for saddles, for horses, for like the snickerdoodles, like, you know, if they're mounted. You need them for caravans. You need them for different things like that. You need wood carvers to help make carts. You need all of these sorts of things, right? I got them. You got them? I'm well, looking right at them. Yeah. It was
0: the first name that popped up on Fantasy Name Generator. Pookneck. P-O-O-K-N-E-C. There's something about a name that just sticks out. You want that old surly gnome. Uh, if anyone knows Travis's character from the current... uh Critical Chetney. role yeah. chutney, Chetney? Yeah. Perfect. Yeah, that's exactly of, what I'm imagining I'm, right yeah, now. I'm
1: kind of envisioning the same thing, just maybe a little bit more grandfatherly, a little bit more... He's not quite fiery as mm-hmm. Chetney can be sometimes. A little bit more laid back, really just focused on the well-being of his individual crafters. I think that's kind of what I'm seeing. I'm kind of seeing them as like maybe not a big moving force in policy, more of just like, as long as they don't affect our thing, and hurt us we're kind of cool with whatever else is going on because the prices you charge someone for a gym don't affect us no then for your your populists i want i'm kind of thinking a little bit more of oh god what was what was the guy's name from like the 1890s bryant something bryant he was a golden cross guy it was american history um he was a big fiery like we need to support you know the, the lower kind of kind of thing go back to like the gold standard and all this stuff But I'm thinking I want something, like, passionate for- master
0: Austin, remind me, uh, what races have we established already? So we've established
1: that we have dragonborns, we have humans, we have elves, we have gnomes, we have uh, dwarves, and- I am kind of leaning, then, on that case to
0: a dragonborn-based name here. I think a dragonborn name would be very like- I like it 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 would work with the fire and
1: passion. I like it so especially because if my memory serves me correctly, we made the uh part of the end and Brew House staff, two separate entities in Chocolad Dragonborns, and I think that would be very interesting to have like because they would be considered part of this you know general populist sort of crowd um so i I, I like that let's do with the Dragonborn for that vegas
0: b a e. GUS. And I kind of like this. We can call him for instance, uh, fantasy name generator also lets you uh add like some type of like surname, but it, uh, the full name would be Bagus the Mammoth. Almost he's got that fire, the passion, right? I just imagine this big hulking figure who kind of just has that
1: what are, So what about if we're going with like fantasy uh name, what about Bagus the Displacer? I kind of like it. Yeah. Yeah, oh, I kind of like it. I really like it. Yeah, that's a good one the displacer i love that okay so then now we're looking at the merchant skill and so what i'm kind of thinking for the merchant skill is i kind of want someone who is condescending but in a way that would be trying to like intellectually outwit you so he's like it would be someone who if you're not clever enough you would think he was complimenting you but when you have like maybe the insight or the understanding or the political awareness, social awareness, you kind of understand he's talking down, kind of taking a shot at you subliminally. So like for, um, you know, for, uh, uh how did you pronounce our, our gnomish friend's name? Oh, Putnik. Putnik. So you, for him, he would probably describe him as simple. Yeah. You know, and you would be like, oh, wow, there's nothing wrong with being simple. But in the way he says it, you realize he's calling him dumb you like so i want something like that. i'm thinking something like on the face trustworthy but really it's all about that almighty dollar. elena Ooh, i like that
0: i like elena. it i was a, i'm looking at some uh, half elf names is where i came up with it and there was one
1: i Hel- love the idea of a stout halfling being the leader of the merchant guild
0: i'm kind right. of in agreement yeah really so like again and we've mentioned this before in our last NPC the name could be based out of a nomish name it could be based out of a human name right yeah. but again cultures are you know intermingling with one another names are going to start you know getting you know skewed and changed based on you know cultural and environmental impacts so it, yeah Helena and I'm just works. go ahead
1: and give the clan name for it
0: yeah Helena Goldleaf Oh, absolutely.
1: Make it very obvious oh, they yeah. are about that almighty... Gold. Give me, give me, give me your man. All right, we're done. Give me, give me, give me your ducats after midnight.
0: Won't somebody help me give me all the gold? Oh, right. All right, now we've been copyrighted. <laughs> now we're done. Now
1: we're done. <laughs> um, but then the last one um, that we had were the Snickers. And so for the Snickers, I went almost, to, almost emotionless. I'm thinking giant or maybe a dwarf maybe a, you know like a hill dwarf or something i'm thinking a very like stoic almost to the point of being cold with how short their response is their only thought is devotion to the crown nothing else matters
0: so, so i'm getting a couple names here and a lot of giant names tend to just be honest and just upfront yeah one i'm liking is uh god there's two that i'm kind of stuck between so there's one One, that I'd like
1: three picket onar onar I like it h-o-n-a-r Oh, no. Nah. All right, and so yeah, I'm thinking him as I was kind of describing very stoic, very cold—not cold, all, not cold and on purpose, but cold just because his answers are very direct. For
0: I'm actual. kind of imagining like a handlebar mustache. Yeah, like him. a yeah, okay, like, yeah, yeah, handlebar, handlebar mustache. mustache. He yeah. might
1: he might ask you, you know, how has you know uh, how is the bandit raids being on the on the caravans? He's, like, he's like taken care of have, this evening. We have we have we have taken care of those, and that would be it. And that's all the information he's going to give you. And yeah. while that might seem curt. It's not out of a curtness. It's just out of like his. He is he is fully in that military idea of like short, complete, full answers. Move away with the description, all of that. So I think that right there is 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 a good start for our political sort of uh, situation within it. You can easily see how all those factions can view certain situations in the same way, right? So an invading army, bad for all factions. Burns burns crops, stops trade hurts the power of the crown, you know, and with the, uh, what would be, what would be the other one? The crafters, less people to buy goods. Like, I mean, it's just, it's, it's all all connected. It's all connected. So you can see how, even though we created factions that are at odds with each other, there's still ways to bring the factions together. But by that same token, there's also ways like we described earlier with the tariffs or maybe, you know, um, one of the Royal decrees not being followed for the loyalists. That's maybe helping out the farmers or the merchant or something like that. You know, like they're not taxing appropriately. There's all kinds of things that you could do. It's changing. It's changing, changing. based
0: on the environment based, exactly. based on what's going exactly. on within your town based off. Let's be honest here at some point based off what the PCs would we'll be end doing, up doing. Yeah, the
1: yeah. PCs will have a great effect on yeah. this. And I think that's the most important thing. And there are rules in the DMG for benefits within a faction. So, you don't have to create status within the faction. Within the DMG, there are multiple pages, and I think they even expand upon it in Tasha's Cauldron of Everything. They add additional things. There's a lot. Tasha's Cauldron of Everything adds a lot. But they set, like, hey, if they do a couple good deeds, this might be their status. They might get some benefits. So, like, when you start out, if they're like, hey, you know what? We're going to join the Merchant's Guild, right? We're going to be kind of their arm. Right, their sword and shield, and we're going to help them out. So it might seem start off with like, oh, you're just a member, maybe level, and then maybe you're level one, you know, with them is like you get like a 5% discount uh, at these merchant, you know, adjoined shops that are a part of the guild. And then maybe, you know, the second one is like you get a free health potion each month from, you know, the Merchant's Guild is like a thank you for your... You know, there are different things you can do and that don't necessarily have to be give them all plus three weapons. You can do other things to make it easier, like free travel between cities on merchant carts, something like that to just ease the burden on your PCs that that wouldn't really hurt the Merchant Guild as well. And so
0: much of this is, again, like Austin mentioned, in the back of the DMG, just... Pick it up, guys. We're talking about like page. Uh, I believe it's page 244. I think mm-hmm. that one discusses. Uh, what Am I looking at social interactions? I think it's somewhere in that general yeah. vicinity. It's around that area. It's. Definitely. I know it's around that area. So you don't have so to worry about definitely it. Definitely go and give it I a think look.
1: That will be a great place for us to stop today because that's a lot of information and it's a lot of potential. And we. Do, I don't want to flesh out that potential, because again, hope we are hoping to run a game with some of our lovely listeners through this, so I don't want to give away my ideas on where these factions are going to start having conflicts, but those are just some general ideas, and you could easily see how those personalities of each of the leaders might play into conflict as well. That being said,
0: Brewmaster Austin, I do believe it is time for final thoughts here. Final thoughts. Where, or oh where... Will I take this final thought, Bru? Muscle Wizard, cast fists, Austin. Always, Muscle Wizard must cast the fist. That's right. I've said it time and time again here on this lovely podcast that you and I have so graciously created. Muscle Wizard must cast fist. I want to know, funniest combination you have got for a multi-cat uh, class there, Austin?
1: Uh, on, on. Am I using wizard as a multi? You
0: can use anything you'd like. You want to make a. For instance, Austin, do you want to make? a paladin who became I don't know a part artificer and he's got a bionic arm or maybe maybe a ranger whose dump stat is his strength maybe just something that doesn't make sense statistically and you know thematically (laughs) may not make sense but it brings you a little
1: joy I've got I've got one it does kind of work together with the scores a little bit but I think it's a really fun character combo is a shadow monk with a light domain cleric. Oh I so, love it. Shadow Monk, for those of you who don't know, quick de- like 10 second DLDR, Shadow Magic, you can teleport in Shadows, Cast Darkness, really cool. Light domain cleric, fireball. You get fireball as a cleric. Amazing. So I between love it. the two of it, you both use wisdom, so you can, you know, still have it. And the deck score if you're not wearing heavy armor can still matter so you can still kind of make it work with the scores but it's really funny because you've got this dual side of you you worship this light cleric but then you also have like your monk training has been very dark and focused on like moving through the shadows as one and so it's a very interesting combo you'd kind of be doing a mix of both and don't forget divine strikes as a cleric would apply on your monk weapon. So you can also kind of have a little bit of burst with your monk weapon, doing an extra D8 of radiant damage on top of the normal damage and still your flurry of blows to use it. Plus a spiritual weapon. You can see how
0: it gets stack. and it's, it's
1: not front loaded. No, but after about 10 levels and two rounds of combat, you're going to be just dishing out damage.
0: I'll tell you one that I actually made here. Mm-hmm. I made a dex based barbarian before. Ooh, That was fun, but it was very hard especially at the lower levels. We only got to, I believe, like level five, I believe. The biggest issue that I ran into is that I had to find a way in a weapon. And my uh, DM at the time there uh, did let me get away with it, but I was able to get a rapier. Mm. So again, rapiers will let you use your lovely dex dex score to uh, incorporate. What I was missing on is the rage bonus. Uh, I wasn't getting my plus two. I wasn't being able to add my extra attack for strength. But again, I was already a barbarian who... I'm taking half damage from everything, right. and uh, I did subclass into to, I believe uh, that uh, side of things where I made myself completely almost invulnerable oh, to the everything. Totem warrior, totem yeah. a warrior. Yeah. Thank you very much. But uh, what I ended up running into is that I uh, I ran into the biggest problem of all, which was the fact that I needed strength in certain cases, and I was not. So I could rage, I get, I'll roll with advantage, but it was not working out for me. However, I was still hard to hit, and that's kind of why I focused on it so much—a dex based barb. Uh, muscle wizard cast fist uh, I love it all yeah, we I discussed we discussed great things here today Brewmaster Austin and with that note being said I think that we have established great things for vanilla and Chocolate and caramel and the land that don't worry guys we're gonna name it we talked about that next episode
1: badge. we will be naming it
0: we will be naming it in episode number 7 speaking of which everybody it's time to wrap things up I've been your Brewmaster Mo and I'm Austin Thank you guys for joining us here
1: on this episode of Dungeons & Brews, part of the pod, part of the brew.